for me, I don't want anybody to look the same. I feel like that's almost a failure. It's like we have to look like a forest, otherwise the ecosystem isn't working. And and it comes from me. If I if I'm kind of trying to attract people that look like me, it's in my body and how I'm being. If I'm if I'm actually moving in harmony with myself, then whoever wants to move in harmony with themselves will find us. Hi, I'm Zoe. Hi, I'm Erica. Hey, Erica. This is our podcast. Well, what do we do on the podcast? Uh, we talk to wellness experts. Well, what do we talk about? Mm, wellness stuff. And why are we doing this? Because we want to have an inclusive conversation about things that you can actually use and apply to your life. Right. We don't think that wellness should feel preachy. We think it should feel like everybody can participate. That's right. So if you like what you hear, tell a friend. Give us five stars. They're do all free. All of the above. All of the above. And think of us as your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. Hey guys, just a quick note to let you know that this episode is a reprise from a recording we did last year with Tara Stiles, who is the founder of Strala Yoga, amazing yogini, uh, and just a wonderful figure in the wellness community. You will hear some references to the pandemic and to all of the wonderful things that we were dealing with just about a year ago. But in many ways, it's actually even more relevant now as we've had a little bit of hindsight uh, and perspective on the past year. So anyway, we talk a lot about wellness and where the industry is going. Super interesting for entrepreneurs as well as anybody who considers themselves a wellness seeker uh, or wellness-minded because you know it's important just to kind of keep Keep an eye on what the community is giving you and where you're getting your information from and making sure that we're all still aligned for the greater good, which is kind of what it's all about. Anyway, enjoy this episode and we'll come back at you real soon. Well, thank you officially for joining us, Tara Stiles. Um, It's very nice to have you. It's nice to meet you in person. I did not actually get to meet you in person at that the dinner that we were all at whenever it was. Years ago, we were like across the room from each other. Yeah, oh, that's right. We got to do that again, and I think we were going to do this in person, and it was sort of like right at the beginning of where we all kind of figured out that we should be staying at home. (laughs) Yeah, someday we will do all of this in person. Yeah, happen. But uh, well, I think you know you certainly represent um, one of the, the the leaders in this wellness community that we're all in right now, which I think a, a lot of eyes are on this community for some, I guess, some answers and some support and some help through what has been just such a challenging time between everything that's happened with the pandemic and then just the events of the last few weeks that have really brought up some very difficult conversations around race and inclusiveness and how to have those conversations. And I mean, what, what, has, what has everything been like for you? What has your experience been these last few months? Uh, well, I mean, honestly, when the lockdown happened, I was just having some conversations with friends about stress and you know that we're so lucky that we could we could not work for a year and not be kicked out of our house. And that's got to be a very small percentage of people's current situations. I mean, that wasn't always my situation either. I mean, when I first moved to New York, it was definitely month to month. So I was just concerned, concerned citizen that there'd be a World War Three in New York, you know, from like week two, and then it didn't happen. And everybody was kind of staying inside and listening to the smart people and being grateful and all of that kind of stuff. And it just seemed like, you know, this has got to erupt at some point. 
yeah, so it's just, you know, we're just trying to stay inside, listen to the smart people and do all of that. And uh, it's tricky because you see everybody saying the wrong thing and getting in trouble for saying the wrong thing and, and or, or trying to just get involved. And maybe it's not the time to get involved in, in kind of um, maybe in a fear-based way, standing up for, you know, saying things that you feel like you should be saying, but it doesn't have a whole lot of weight to it. So I think a lot of that... Um, you know, feels wrong on all sorts of levels. So mm-hmm. it's just, um, I think it's another opportunity to to list to actually listen and shut yeah. up and and sort of be there. And then if and then and then look look at your own life. And you know, obviously, there's lots of problems beyond what maybe we all can do individually. But there's lots of problems that we all maybe should have been doing for a long time, or maybe already were doing. But even if we were doing the things, it's not our place to be like, well, I'm awesome. I've been good to all my friends who are different than me. Right. So all of all of that kind of a thing, you know. So so yeah, I just feel like it's a it's an opportunity to just, you know, be humbled and you know, again, I have no I have no answer. I just feel like the the solution isn't in 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 going fast and, you know, saying the right statement and mm-hmm. kind of doing all that because I just we're in the wellness industry. We see the brands and all of the you know, I mean, I don't have a big team or anything. So it's, it's, you know, we're just a community and we feel like we share our community equally. And the lesson that I've learned having a, having a pretty diverse community is, well, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't think about the fact that sharing everybody equally isn't actually equal. And that's kind of messed up too. And I actually didn't consider that in a way. So it's sort of, you know, on my level of just, you know, promoting the people that are in our community, it's, it's sort of, there's some lessons there that I can do better at for sure for, for everybody, even having such a, I'm so proud of our diverse community. That's something that we're just excited that we're all so different and interesting and from around the world and different backgrounds and all that, but it still doesn't, it doesn't solve the, any problems (laughs) that, that people deal with on a daily basis. And it's sort of like, we're all just, it just feels like a car wreck right now. We're all just in a car wreck and you know, maybe we're just living the nightmare that our friends have been living their whole lives. And that's just brings up all kinds of weird behaviors and trying to solve that. We can't solve it. I don't think, but, but yeah, I'm just trying to be quiet and talk to Mike and talk to my friends and, and, you know, stay offline. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I feel like too much of seeing what everybody's arguing about on all the sides isn't healthy either. I mean, we're all on our screens what, like 100% of the time now anyway. <laughs> At this point, yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, so I think we're all just individually and collectively going to slowly do our best and we have to. Otherwise, we know, we're, we know we're bad at this point. It's sort of like you've been caught, everybody's been caught being naughty. You know, it's like hand in the cookie jar, whatever that is. You know? I don't know. Again, I just, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how to talk about it. It's not my place to talk about it, but it's also, I think it's all of our places to just have conversations where we don't feel like we're going to be canceled yeah. also, you know, and, and also like, if you, if you're going to say something where you're going to get canceled, what, what the heck are you doing anyway? Like giving yourself a platform. So sort of, it's, it's just a revealing time. And I thought like the, you know, pandemic one was also revealing of, for us slowing down and doing the things that we had planned on doing in a delayed fashion anyway. Oh, in two years, we'll get to those things that we're doing now. In two years, our family will have more time together. In two years, we'll do this. And so, you know, the first week we felt like such idiots, like, oh, geez. You know, I started calling friends that I haven't called in a long time. Like, 
and apologize. I started making so many apologies like the first two weeks. Like, I'm sorry, I haven't called you in five years. What have I been doing? So I feel like pandemic two is the same thing, but for our family, you know, it's like, that's our family. So it's sort of our global family in that way. But yeah, again, I don't, I don't feel like it's my place, but I also feel like it's it's all of our place in a way to to say the right thing, to say the wrong thing, to to just try to go to our room for five minutes, <laughs> like yeah. stand in the corner until we learn our lesson and maybe emerge like less jerks, less of this. <laughs> no, it's. I think it's. I mean, it's the timing is really fascinating to me how all of these things have kind of converged at once. And then in, in some ways, you know, at, at some point we've all said like, is the world legitimately ending? Because that's really what it has felt like in these last several months between, you know, global plagues and, you know, killer insects coming and rioting in the streets and, and for, for good, for good reason. But in, in some ways, you know, to your point, like all we really all we really have right now is this this time and the time like the concept of time has been completely shifted like Zoe and I were talking this morning and neither one of us had any idea what day it was and we were just like and and that's happening a lot like this is a thing i've read about that people your whole sense of time has just been warped because your whole rhythm is is just off because we're just we're all creatures that have had to adapt to these very new environments so quickly, um, so I mean, abruptly. Also my, my sense of time is off because I've just been day drinking and night drinking. <laughs> but that's part of it. Like there are no like, rules no right day. now. We don't I'm like weekends are blending into weekdays. Or I'm just drinking too much. Or you're just drinking <laughs> too much, which is the common response to a lot of what's happening. But anyway, uh, just to say that I... In, in not in the business of looking for a silver lining on every cloud because there are some clouds that are literally just like they suck and I, I do not I don't I don't want to be a person that says oh but you know on the bright side of things because sometimes there legitimately is not a bright side but I do feel like this time that we all have had to think about differently is my hope is that something productive and positive comes from that just like you were saying I mean you don't want to say something that's going to get you canceled but We've all also learned that not saying anything at all is kind of grounds for for cancellation too. I mean, we we yeah. have to at least be able to start to have a conversation and sit and think about our words and be mindful of you know of how we're speaking. But I don't know. It, it is a contemplative time, I guess, is the long winded version of what I'm saying. Oh, we're all we're all in the long winded phase of our. I mean, we have time. I mean, we're all kind of in our own time. Like we're serving time, you know? So I, I, I love it. What else do you do when you serve time? You write on the walls, you know? <laughs> you go crazy. You like go into bad habits and you try to come out a different person. And I mean, not that this is like, I mean, this is probably the wrong thing to say, but um, I, I met Piper Kerman, the woman who wrote Orange is the New Black, like like before she went to jail, my an ex-boyfriend of mine used to do her hair and like cut her hair and her husband's hair. And so we all, they're really nice. They were like the smartest people I knew. And I was in, I was like, just moved to New York. And I thought this is so cool. They're being so nice. So, you know, they're always kind of bookish people. They would write books and things like this. So I remember they sat us down and they said, Piper's going to jail. And we're like, no, <laughs> what the heck, you know? So she goes to jail. And so she told, you know, everything that happened, she was actually on this long list of, um, 
people that if they caught the guy, the drug lord at the top, if they caught him, they were going to let a bunch of people off. There was something and then the statute of limitations and they just decided that she needed to go to jail. So I'm like, okay, this is definitely going to be a movie. You're going to write some sort of movie about it. So I remember we went and visited her in jail and she looked better. And it was so weird because, I mean, she's only going to be in jail for 15 months. She was telling us, you know, there's nuns in here. There's all these black women in here that shouldn't be in here. This is so messed up. And like, I knew it was wrong before. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're the one that's going to say something about this because you're incredible and you're so smart. But she, like her hair was all grown out. It was shinier. She was like running laps and, you know, I'm sure she was miserable, but just from my 21 year old viewpoint, I was like, wow, like the time that you have in here is taking you away from the stress of the city and the stress of, you know, your job and your work. And there's something in here that's, that's changed you. And of course yeah. it changed her hundred percent, but you know, I think it's like, you know, if this doesn't change us, we're doing something wrong. Like I, I want to be changed because it's like, what's the point if not, you know, I don't want to just run around and back to business as usual or whatever, you know, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think that's a really fair point. I think that's that funny story. Yeah. I think that there's a, the, the timing of all of this, I mean, as we're saying is kind of a blessing in that it was well, it was like way beyond enough's enough. And finally, it's like for the first time, we all had the quote unquote time <laughs> to go out and protest and speak up and do everything else because you know because no one has a job anymore so no one has to, no one has to go to work nobody yeah. has, I mean this is obviously not true plenty of people are working uh, and a lot of people actually have less time because they're taking care of their kids but point is especially in this like 20s 30s group like this mm-hmm. age group mm-hmm. I mean that's who I see just firsthand protesting the most <clears throat> and I think about you know for the like the vast majority and I'm I'm seeing this in like Brooklyn, uptown, vast majority of them are white. And I just wonder, like, if they all had their day jobs to go to, would they be out protesting? Like, had COVID not happened and they were quarantined and had to stay home. So it's just like, it's a funny, like, the timing of it. It just seems like this had to happen in order for this to happen or for this to reach this, like, fever pitch for, like, something to shift. And tensions are certainly high because people are stressed and people are worried about leaving their house. And it, it has felt to me like, you know, like a powder keg for mm. a while leading up to this. So in, in so many ways, it's not surprising that it did eventually blow and explode and reach these levels. But to your point, Zoe, I think it's somehow the timing is such that it has allowed for it to kind of bubble up and come out and hopefully... In the bubbling up and coming out, we're able to actually move forward a little bit. And um, if I may find one more silver lining, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, it's interesting because there is this, especially just in like news media, this perpetual fear behind COVID and like it's just so constant, right? It's been so constant for months. And now it's like as soon as it starts to sort of not fizzle, but it's not as dire as it was just a few weeks ago. Now it's shifting to like more urgently looking at like the spike we're going to see in September and the fall and the winter. And we're already like switching to that panic mode. And and then I just think again now back to these protests and how we're seeing all over the world, everyone's saying, fuck it, I am gathering. I am going out of my house. It's almost like they're going to, like we've just, by way of these protests and by everyone gathering, we've just accelerated the inevitable. So now we don't have to think, we don't have to sit in fear and like 
you know, wonder what's going to happen <laughs> fall in the winter because we, here. we just hit the button. So like, give it a few weeks. It's funny how these two events are like dancing with each other and almost like supporting each other. Yeah. Anyway. Tara, I'm curious what, I mean, you've, you've referred to your community and for, for people who are not familiar, we're talking about the Strala Yoga world that you have created and, and been the, the fearless leader of for so long. Um, how, what have you seen that has shifted just in, within the community in terms of the dialogue or, or I mean, how, what is, what's the community like right now? Well, I mean... I think with pandemic one, it was sort of, I mean, if, if there was a yoga pose that was like a picture of our community, it would be a hug. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. I mean, I love to hug people, but like it's what makes me happy is when, when I come and do a training or workshop or whatever, if there's people that come together from different places, they're more excited to see the other people than they are me. And for, for that, I'm like, okay, like something, you know, that's making me feel good because they're just, they're, it's a really supportive place. I mean, the, the the baseline of the concept is, you know, we're all here to feel better and we're all here to feel better so we can do better. So there's been so many times in our community when our members have called me out on bullshit. Like several years ago, we had a training in New York and everybody was walking around with the... This was before plastic straws were banned. I mean, we're like, so, you know, whatever. But like, obviously everybody knew it was bad, but... So we were all walking out of their iced coffees and being whatever. And so we everybody came in and there was like 30 iced coffees in a room. And this woman who lives in the UK and she's like pretty, you know, she's got a big personality. It's like very, you know, you either love her or like, you know, you stand away from her a little bit, but she's amazing. And she just, she stopped the trip. She stopped me and she started screaming. <laughs> and she was like what's wrong with you people? Like you, she just, she went out the next day and she got all these metal straws and just gave them to us. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Like it was uncomfortable for me. And I go out and buy three of these dumb things a day and I don't need to. And it was sort of before it was all happening. And she really started in me. She's like, you of all people, like you have a platform, you could use your voice. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm, you know, my first instinct is, well, there's other people more popular than me that could be saying this and get defensive in a way. But also it's like, you know, that's that's sort of the ecosystem that we all signed up for. It sort of grew into that. So there hasn't been a lot of touchy or sensitive conversations because everybody loves everybody anyway and everybody wants to support each other anyway. So it's kind of like they I think they collectively feel like, well, yeah, we knew it's like it's kind of the 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 same way that my that our black members feel like, yeah, this has been happening forever and we know it, but like Maybe maybe we're all learning how to change it a bit more. I think there's more tools now, but we were. I think they were more aware of all of this even than I was. Like I'd be excited that like I get to go to Kuala Lumpur and teach yoga to a group full of Muslim women wearing the hijab and like doing yoga in a way that feels good for them. Like for me, that's a serious win. And having you know more men in the room and having a, a full range of diversity, you know, like everybody. For me, I don't want anybody to look the same. I feel like that's almost a failure. It's like we have to look like a forest, otherwise the ecosystem isn't working. And and it comes from me. If I if I'm kind of trying to attract people that look like me, it's in my body and how I'm being. If I'm if I'm actually moving in harmony with myself, then whoever wants to move in harmony with themselves will find us. You know. So I I, I feel like that's. We, we've all cared about this stuff for a long time and been sensitive to it for a long time and having conversations within our own community also. But also, I think now 
we're all like being quiet. We're not having like huddles, like what do we need to do? Like what, what should we show the world that we're doing? We're all just kind of being quiet a little bit and trying to, you know, support our friends more. Like I see people posting, you know, our, our black guides and things like that. And, you know, honestly, before one of my faults that was so bad, I think I, because we have so many beautiful photos of training. Sometimes as a photographer who's in the training, who takes pictures. And I've actually not posted images of black women because I didn't want them to feel sometimes that I was using them because of their blackness. And it, that that's wrong. And I didn't realize I was doing that. So I've like, I've tried to stop that because I, I felt like, oh, let me show, I didn't want to say, let me show this black person who was at our training to check off that box. So it was sort of like trying to be good by being, by doing the wrong thing, you know? Right. So there's right. so much of that. I feel like that we've been, you know, just talking about with each other, but not kind of trying to avoid like vomiting on the global internet about it because there's so so many beautiful things to look at right now, I think. And there's so much information to read and to learn. And we're not a big corporate structure. So I feel like, you know, we don't have to answer to our shareholders and all of that kind of stuff. Like we're, we're people, you know, we're, we're all kind of individual people and we all care about each other together. So it's more of that kind of a vibe of, I just feel like there's, there's more tools that are showing up now for us and we're just, you know, mm-hmm. listening. So... Yeah, I mean, I think Light Watkins is putting out a lot of really great videos and, you know, our, our community knows him pretty well. So we're just, we're just sharing that stuff with each other and, and calling each other out on stuff, which is pretty cool. Yes, so the accountability piece, I think is actually really interesting. Just, I started thinking when you were speaking about teaching the Muslim women and, and wanting everybody to look different and unique. I mean, without, <laughs> without oversimplifying things, I do think it's interesting that, that there is kind of a metaphor for our culture in, in yoga. I mean, something I remember from, because I did a teacher training a million years ago and I did all sorts of different disciplines. And the one thing, there's so many issues that I have with Vikram that, go, you know, watch the documentary and you understand what's, what's going on there. But my biggest issue with Vikram yoga always was the mirror because I felt like that to me, like I grew up, I was a ballerina and every ballet class that you ever took, you were in the mirror you had to look, you had to look like everybody else next to you. That's why the mirror was there, right? was to show you how you looked in comparison to everybody else. And the first time I took a yoga class, I guess I'm grateful that it was somebody who was far more you know, woke than like a, a Bikram type of mentality that actually spoke to the fact that like, do not look at other people in the room. You know, We practice yoga without a mirror because the whole idea is you stay on your mat and you do your practice. And it doesn't matter what the person next to you looks like how high their leg goes, how far into a, you know, the stretch that they get. So I, I don't know. I mean, again, without sounding trite, I do feel like there is kind of a, there's a, a metaphor there in, in, in kind of promoting that everybody should continue to try to stay on their mat and, and be their own person. And everybody looking different is the whole point of all of this and not trying to kind of like fold into some ideal that someone else has created, uh, let alone shine a mirror on it. So. Yeah, I I hear you with that. I mean, the it had. It, I'm, I think I have a lot of. We should talk another time about the yoga stuff. <laughs> the first time I, I I did yoga, my ballet teacher brought it into our conservatory, and he was like this happy, fuzzy haired person who was happy for no reason at all. And I thought this is incredible. And then my second thought was, I was so pissed. I was like, why doesn't everybody do this? Because he was a good teacher. Like we were instructed to just feel our bodies and all this stuff. Just very simple hatha yoga class, and then. I realize as you go around, like yoga is something 
that is so powerful that if you get a good yoga teacher of any style, they're going to make you feel empowered. But if you get a power hungry meanie pants or whatever you want to call it, like it's going to end up with abuse because you start, you start with, I'm going to take your power. Or you feel good. I made you feel good. Or like, you feel good because I did that for you. And like, that's ultimately going to lead to the documentary of every single style that's always blowing up all over the place. And everybody's so surprised, but it always starts like from, <laughs> from the beginning. And there's so many good teachers out there. And, you know, it's sort of like, I, I, we watched this, that silly masterclass videos and um, we're trying to learn how to garden from Ron Finley. And he said something similar. I was so shocked because he said, you know, I learned how to garden and then you grow your own food. Like that's like printing money. And then he said, once I learned how to, how to garden, I was pissed that everybody in the world didn't do this. You know? So he said, I have to now share this because this is you know, life. This is sustainability. And he, you know, obviously he makes it so cool and fun. You just want to plant something after you hear him talk about it. But, but that's my experience with yoga. It's so amazing, but it's also so easy to steal that power from somebody and to tell them they're not good enough. They don't look right. You know, they're not the right body shape, all that stuff that, you know, is all written on all the walls of all the yoga, you know, platitudes, but it's, it, it's sometimes in the practice and it's sometimes just the word, but the practice doesn't match. So I think that's, you know, there's, there's a reckoning there too, but it's like, we keep repeating the same problems. Like this style blows up and this guru is like a bad apple. And it's like, is, is are they a bad apple or is what they're teaching teaching other teachers how to be bad apples. So it's sort of like, you know, I, I believe there's amazing teachers of all styles with yoga, but it's just that if you're teaching people how to be like each other, then, then that's ultimately going to lead to more serious problems than just body issues. Although that's a serious problem in and of itself too. Yeah, for sure. So it's safe to say you don't follow any school of yoga or guru or religion or like, I think all this, like if you, if you pick up a book about yoga, like a real book about yoga, it's about moving in harmony. It's about, you know, moving in alignment with yourself and, and it says it, but it also, there's also some drama in the, in, in what yoga says. Yoga also says to endure suffering, to alleviate it. And it's like, that just doesn't make any sense from a nature perspective, from a scientific perspective. So you know, I've always, you know, since I met Mike and he's done all this life of Tai Chi and I'm like, oh, like there's no guru in Tai Chi. There's a bunch of idiots teaching Tai Chi too. And like, you have to look like this and you have to look like that. It's the same kind of, you know, physicality problems as any physical sport where you get caught up in what the teacher looks like, but that isn't the, the spirit of Tai Chi. And I always loved yoga because the vocabulary of yoga is so rich. I mean, Tai Chi, you're just on your feet. Eventually your knees are going to not be happy with that. But yoga, you can crawl around on all fours. You can move in all different directions. So, you know, Strahl has really evolved from just simply a, a, an idea of move how it feels better for you. You know, don't force the pose into moving in harmony with yourself in a Tai Chi way. But it looks, you know, it looks like you're moving in, in, in a regular yoga class that you could go into any yoga class and be doing what we do, but it just looks like you're being kind to yourself in a way. So it's not so stylistically odd. You know, I've like seen some styles in, in classes and you're like, oh, you you practice that style. I can tell by how you do your fingers, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is kind of silly too. I mean, it's it may be a fun distraction, but you know, there's something really beautiful about moving like nature in your body. Yeah. Agreed. You have a, a t-shirt training. Yeah. 
So there is like a 200 hour course that you can take just with the Strala style of yoga, right? Yeah. So we have intensives and, and 200 hour trainings and yeah. And we have like, that's how we have this collection of guides all around the world. And we have partner studios, but it took a long time to figure out how to make it sustainable and not infused with all the problems that aggravate me so much <laughs> in general. So yeah. And it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, the, the whole goal is come, we'll show you how to lead yoga, but you have to be taking care of yourself in the process. So it's, it's cool because the people that come, a lot of them end up teaching yoga and a lot of them end up feeling better about themselves and using the ideas of moving in harmony in their, in their teaching school job or in their you know, parenting or whatever that is. So, so again, yeah, even in the training programs, I, I prefer when people come just to learn about themselves. And you know, sometimes they end up doing some things in their office that are Tai Chi related or yoga related. And we have a shiatsu element, but in that same kind of way, as far as connection goes, it's sort of, well, why does yoga have so many problems with connection? It's because yoga believes or or the modern history of yoga believes that you're wrong and your body needs to move into a position in order for you to be enlightened. And that's just, you know, we all can agree that that's bullshit now, finally, but it's sort of, it's, it's taken a long time to get to that point. It's taken a lot of statues of old guys falling down <laughs> to get there into actually making a good connection with somebody that isn't just about touch. Touch is a, a point on that continuum. So, you know, a lot of it is just encouraging people to, to think about where you are in space. What are you doing? Everything matters. How you walk into the room matters. Are you being a good person? And are you improving at everything that you're sharing? Can you do what you share and, and, and teach what you know in that way? So yeah, it's quite, it's quite different. Do you think that this is? Just, I just have a random question because sure. I always thought about this. Speaking of you know men, like, you know, <laughs> the practice itself was. I mean, it was not started by a female, right? Like, do you think that these poses that we've adopted it doesn't really matter? Like across the board, any style, any practice. Do you think that they're as well suited for the female anatomy, or do you think that they, like, or do you think that it was really created for men and females have just been sort of like trying to bend into these positions that maybe weren't are not so friendly for their bodies? Well, I, I think there's, I don't know what the percentage of, but like basically all the Ashtanga things are terrible for your body. And, and like I'm friends with Eddie Stern, he agrees with that. He's like, yeah, Ashtanga is not good for you. We do it to calm our minds so we don't act like crazy people, you know, and it's a discipline and it's not about feeling good. You shouldn't put your feet behind your head if you want to have body health. You know, you're going to unravel your hips. And how many yoga teachers do we all know that have had hip and knee replacements and walk around with injuries? And they're like, oh, I got injured. Ha ha ha. Well, guess what? If your yoga teacher is injured chronically, maybe they shouldn't be teaching yoga. (laughs) So there's, there's that. And it's sort of, so I, I've had a huge and continue to have a huge reckoning with, with yoga, not as poses, but taking the poses out of them and, and, and looking at the vocabulary and seeing it as movement. I think that's just my life experience as a dancer brought me there. And then moving from the middle, softening your, your knees as you move. A lot of yoga, I mean, vinyasa yoga is like, can be dangerous if you're just trying to do a pose and then like get yourself to the next pose, it doesn't really address the movement in a functional way, in a way that you would move gracefully in your body. Like if you would stand up or sit down, you know, it's, you don't need to be 
exercising your muscles when you move. I mean, in dance, you don't you don't move your muscles when you move. You simply move and your muscles move with you. But somehow in yoga, especially in American yoga or whatever, this has been happening. It's it's turned into this. I gotta I gotta rotate my thighs in a direction that they don't move because somebody that's in jail said so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, again, I think it ties back to even the question that Zoe's asking is like it ties back to somebody creating some sort of like template or a blueprint that then we're all supposed to kind of wedge ourselves into as opposed to taking it literally just as a guideline and then actually applying it in a way that feels natural to our our bodies and beyond that, just to our... So I mean, it it all feels very metaphorical to me. And maybe that's just like the mode I'm in today. But I (laughs) I feel like there's just all allegory here. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to question. I mean, it's just. Uh, I mean, I guess we all just have busy minds, but like, I have to, I question everything with yoga with the movements. It's like I stopped teaching like wheel pose. It's like why everybody in a room is not going to be able to put their hands on the ground and push their hips up in the air because it's moving force against the strength of your arms. But everybody can you know do a bridge and roll around a little bit, and then if some people want to come into a wheel, that's fine. But just to kind of stamp that on everybody's body, or same with plow pose. So. I'm constantly, hopefully, improving. And, you know, if I, you know, it makes me kind of not ashamed of like videos or classes I've taught five years ago, but of course they're going to be better. And if they're not, like, I'm a total jerk, you know? (laughs) So, like, I just hope to keep getting better and keep like learning from all of my mistakes as I go on from, you know, seeing other people's bodies, seeing my body. And and I've, I've slowed down a lot in the classes I teach. They're slower, they move with the breath a lot more. You, you can still do a lot physically by slowing down and tuning in. And I, I didn't know that, or I didn't, I wasn't ready for that 10 years ago. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think, you know, I think it's sort of the resistance to change or the, maybe the, the need to be right. Or like, this is how it is. And this is how it's, I, I don't think you can kind of, you know, that's why I couldn't stand like a lot of the boutique fitness movement because you'd have like a place open up and they'd have their like manual of their philosophy in like a day. And then they have their, you know, gift bag and it's all like plug and play. And it like, it takes like a decade to figure out what the heck you're doing anyway. <laughs> so it's like, the sort of, I'm, I'm, I feel happy that I kind of started up during the ramshackle years where you, we literally just brought over our couch and that was the lounge and people come over and you, you just don't injure anybody. And, you know, you go with what you're doing and you can, you figure it out and it takes a long time. And a lot of people tell you, you know, influence you all this stuff, but I know that's, essential for me to, to, to improve, to feel better. Like I don't want to be the yoga teacher I was 10 years ago or even like last week. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny. You mentioned Eddie Stern. I think he actually lives like two yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> in uh, Clinton Hill or Fort Greene. But I follow him on Instagram and I have to say, I am quite intimidated because I've never been to any of his classes. And I'm just like, Looking at what just what he's doing on Instagram by himself, like I, that feels so extreme to me. Like that seems intense. Um, I don't know that that's what he's doing in his classes, but wow. Yeah, like, I mean, it's a different goal. I mean, like, uh, like I like. I but isn't the ultimate first... goal like of yoga just regardless, just to meditate, just to be able to be still and sit in a position like long enough so that you can meditate? I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I I guess, I mean, I think different people have different goals. I mean, I remember when I first started like the yoga police, like there was like three yoga blogs that were just like, you need to call what you're doing, not yoga. And I'm like, whatever, like, 
go away, you know, I was so annoyed about it. But it's like, you know, if if I'm actually sharing yoga in a way that helps people feel better, a lot of people say that that isn't yoga. And I just think yoga is such a great thing that I'm just going to call it yoga because I feel like that's where yoga, people want to feel better and yoga is awesome. So like, let's just do that. But yoga really isn't that. I mean, like what, what Eddie's doing, I mean, I don't want to speak for Eddie and he's a friend of mine, but it's sort of the Ashtanga tradition is like a form of sedation. It's sort of like wear yourself out, do these crazy things so you can sit and, and, and calm your mind. I mean, I remember talking to Eddie a while ago and he's like, I asked if his daughter did yoga and he was like, oh, like, no. And I'm so happy that she doesn't. I'm so happy that she can figure out her life and not have to you know, do this to feel better. And I think, you know, everybody's changing and evolving and all this stuff, but there's very different and and other yoga teachers feel completely different about it. But I just feel like most people that I want to reach are the people that want to feel better. I don't want to reach the people that want to learn about yoga history. Like there's books for that. There's scholars for that. There's teachers for that. I think that's wonderful. But I was also on this panel with Eddie years ago at Princeton called The Politics of Yoga. And it was like a, a Hindu scholar this young Hindu girl who started this thing called Take Back Yoga Campaign. She was angry at all the Americans for like bastardizing yoga. And Eddie and me, and I was so nervous. <laughs> I was like, did not want to be there. But I, you know, I, was, wrecking, I yeah. was so nervous. I'm like, what do I have to contribute? And, <laughs> you know, everybody said their thing. And when it came to me, all I did was I, I said, okay, like everybody, let's just try something. Because I know nothing. I said, close your eyes. And I led them through just like a 30 second breathing situation, meditation, if you want to call it. I said, keep your eyes closed. And I said, raise your hand if you're Muslim. Okay, put it down. Raise your hand if you're Catholic. Raise your hand if you're Jewish. Raise your hand if you don't believe in anything. Raise your hand if you just had a spiritual experience that connected to yourself. And then everybody's hand goes up. And I'm like, okay, I feel like that's it. You know, like that's all I can contribute. And I just, you know, I, I think we want to feel better. And I just think that we've gotten into a lot of problems in our recent and recent history of worshiping yoga instead of connecting to ourselves. So we're all trying to be good at yoga instead of being better at being a good person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, what I'm what I'm doing, maybe it isn't actually yoga, but I don't care. I still like the word. I think it's like important and we're yeah. doing movements that are yoga related and it's not it's not just a workout. It's very emotional and I think that that qualifies enough. I mean, nobody owns the 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 word enough to come after us. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like it's it, it shouldn't matter the reasons that you're doing it, right? I mean, I could see getting a little bit of shit if like you're doing yoga for weight loss. Like it's just right. too shallow, you know? It should be much deeper than that. But like But also, I mean, it's, it's probably the best way to change how you feel about yourself so you make better decisions, too. Yeah. I mean, it's like you know, is weight loss is still a humongous problem. And it's like, if it's just about like counting your calories and burning calories, you're never going to get to the root of the problem. And yoga is a humongous solution if you can retrain yourself and not make your body uh, a problem, you know, which I feel like yoga, yoga does. Yoga says like, we've all been in these classes, like in New York City that say, you are not your body. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, I'm walking around in this thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. still here. Like, yeah, I know that it's not like there's more to me than my body, but you don't want to just, I don't think it's that useful to say, forget about it. You're not that, you know? So a lot of yoga, you know, gets caught up in these weird dogmatic, there's one yoga teacher that even uses the word like dominance. She says she loves to dominate her students. Like that's part of the engagement. I'm like, I I get that people like that. I mean, there's like clubs you can go to for that and get whipped around by some girl. But it's like, I think the majority of people just want to feel better. And whether it's 
with our yoga or another kind of yoga, I think that's just the way that it's going, you know, like it's not, it's just, it's not a trend. People want to feel better. Yeah. Which I think, look, I mean, that's kind of why we're all in this business in the first place, right? Yeah. It's like we really do hope that on some level, we're able to make a contribution to people feeling better, whatever that means, whatever your definition is of where you're starting and where you want to end up. Yeah. Um, I mean, on that note, actually, I wanted to ask you earlier, but I've been talking recently just about how you know the wellness business, and I'm not talking about like wellness as a concept, but the wellness business certainly feels like it caters to an ideal that is pretty pretty narrow, which is like the the privileged white female ideal. And again, I think the the context of these last couple of weeks has has brought a lot of this to light. But I think. You know, I'm curious to to understand where things go from here with this as an industry. Like, is it do we all have a responsibility to to use this platform as something that just goes beyond like feeling better, or is the like where does the shift come from as an industry? Because certainly, you see other industries out here now just talking, uh, you know, releasing statements and taking action on you know people who are not exemplary members of their community. And I feel like, you know, the wellness community of of so many compared to so many, like we really are supposed to be about, you know, affecting positive change. So like is it incumbent on us to take more drastic well, action? I think it didn't work. I mean like the wellness industry, I mean, you guys were doing wellness before it was even called wellness. Like remember when wellness sort of it was like five years ago, it's like, okay, wellness. But <laughs> I don't think the wellness experiment worked. <laughs> it's like we're unwell. We're so unwell. It's, it's so it's, fucking true. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, so it's like we all kind of need to go away in a way. It's sort of I think jail, I think. if it's if it's not in the DNA of what either a person or a brand is already sharing, then hopefully customer, the people buying the things will wake up. But it's sort of like you can't just slap a coat of paint on it and be like, we're, we're changing, we're, we're going to help people be well because it, it hasn't worked yet. I mean, it's sort of, you know, the, the industry of wellness, I don't know the statistics, it's like what, the three, four, four trillion dollar industry now. And it's like, there's one chart that I was just kind of doing just by Googling. And it was sort of like when wellness became all these products going from here to here. And then you know, correlations with with humanity's well being was the opposite. Like we got worse, <laughs> and like I don't know. Like I'm not a, a scientist enough to analyze all of the data and to see what else was going on. But I don't think it's working. I don't think the wellness industry is making us well at all. And I know it's unpopular because all of my friends are also in the wellness industry, and we all want to help and we all want to do better. But I think when it when everything just becomes about a bottom line and raising money and doing this stuff. And sometimes that can be really good and affect change. And I think sometimes it's just, you know, another tech startup with a wellness thing on it, you know, or whatever it is. Like, you know, I remember seeing all of them. I mean, we were affected as a small studio when other studios around us that had raised all of this financial capital just started popping up around. And then ClassPass was there and started destroying everybody's ability to, to, to pay their teachers because people were taking a $20 class for like 50 cents now. So it's sort of like, you know, is it where it was going anyway? Or is it just like the, well, this is popular. We should just put a bunch of VC money into it. And, you know, and, and everybody gets to be in this industry. I remember, I remember when I moved to New York, like all of my friends were actors and a lot of them made it and they're actors now. And 
I was doing dance and I didn't know yoga could be a job at all. Like it would be ridiculous if you said you were a yoga teacher. <laughs> like I didn't know anybody who was. Then I started meeting them. I'm like, okay, you guys are cool. But it's sort of like, I feel like now the young people, you know, I mean, young people now are so much cooler. But I think in the last five years, people were just not even growing up trying to get into wellness, but it's sort of like the next big thing. And people would also just quit their jobs and go into wellness because it was a good idea for business, good idea for for money. And I don't think it really works. I mean, I remember at Revitalize last year, and I don't know if I was just being weirdly sensitive, but I noticed so many more people there and so many more people that were nervous and business, super, super business oriented only, which is great. Like you, it's your business. You have to have your business and all that. But it was just like, it was very, it felt like I was at a tech conference or something. Yeah. Like the y Combinator. Oh. yeah. So it's sort of like, we, we need, it's like, do we need to put out a statement that all like Black Lives Matter? Yes. Do we need to maybe rethink how we're doing all businesses? Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, but I don't know. I don't, I don't have any answers. I've just, I've had that observation for a while though. Too, and it's been frustrating, but also like I, I've, I've always been small. You know, we we're again, we're like a people company. Back in 2014, a few investment firms came to me, and it was really exciting. But I also like kind of saw the devil a little bit in myself, and I'm like, oh, I could do all of this, and we could be like Soul Cycle, and we could do this, and then you know, it was sort of like, okay, well, all the instructors will control them all and we'll do this. And I was like, oh, I can't, I can't do that to people. And I can't do that to myself. I'll actually get fired from this company (laughs) if I start working here. (laughs) And I just know from my own personality, like I can't participate in that. That's not where, where I want to spend my time. So again, I don't have any answers, but it's like, it's fun to have these conversations because I think it's, it's not our responsibility to change the world. It's our responsibility not to, not to mess it up in the first place. Yeah. And to really kind of see what the heck we're doing, and if we're if we're just like making more products, or if we're if we're like doing cool stuff, you know. And there's so many like everybody's. It's so cool that wellness is is cool because we like it's so much easier to talk to people about yoga now. I mean, but still, the common person is like, oh, you got to be flexible for that. But right. they also know that it'll help them with stress, and that wasn't a thing ten years ago. People know that they should be drinking juice and and eating plants and doing all this stuff like it's getting more mainstream but i don't think that we need the the uh, the humongous stuff that we have now like the influencers and all that stuff like you know it's 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 been annoying all of us for a long time like we've all had these conversations but it's sort of like i think the whole industry needs to needs to change but i don't know how that's going to happen <laughs> or if it's going to happen well yeah. i probably just gotten canceled now by the way so there you go oh. <laughs> Well, I could I could just continue on this on this note for a very long time. I have a lot to say. I got a lot to say about the wing and the well. Put it that way. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, no, I mean, I think it's like one of those things. But I won't. Um, yeah. We'll save that for another time. Um, for time. It's all very true. Hopefully, we can we can all work together and hopefully steer the ship in a different direction. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I think it's just about being less superficial. You know, like we all want to. Thrive. We all want to be able to support our families. We all want to live a good life, and we all love wellness. I think we can do better at not like we all don't need to dominate the world either. You know, I think there's too much, especially like social media. Just I feel bad for the people growing up now in wellness because they're not like we got to go on the street and talk to people. We got to like go to you know meetings and like that. Just you know, I know right now it's not happening, but it's sort of 
everybody's just in their phones and it's yeah. sort of like, that's not, you, you don't want to build something that's supposed to feel a certain way by treating yourself badly in the process. And, and also being fear-based and looking over your shoulder at everybody else and you know, losing any hope of authenticity in the process. Yeah, no, I think that's totally true. Oh, I think the business, I know, I mean, especially like the businesses that are really cashing in on fear right now, I'm hoping, hoping that there's a reckoning there somewhere because I mean, that's been going on for a long time. And I think now more than ever is the time where that shit needs to just be called out and people need to be businesses, companies, products need to be held accountable for fear mongering because it's, it's such an Unbelievably unproductive and 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 non-contributory way of of participating in 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 just this conversation. So anyway, all right. Well, I know we have to wrap it up, but this is you know it is it's really fun. It is. It's just it's good to talk some of this shit out. You know, I think it's very therapeutic. It is. Like I feel like we've all been afraid to talk or just even afraid to like. I don't know, speaking of fear, I guess. But yeah, to your point, like afraid of being canceled or just not really being sure how to even like have a conversation around stuff like this. So Mm. it's refreshing and nice to get another perspective from a a member of the sandbox. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think we all, everybody, most people want to do better. And it's like, here's here's our big chance. Sort of like the door is open. And, you know, I'm definitely just slowing down to see, you know, I just don't want to mess up anymore. And I just want to, I don't want to self-congratulate. Oh, I've been doing so good. I, you know, I've helped people, all of that crap either. It's sort of like, it's a, it's got to be real and it's got to be, we can't destroy ourselves in the process of trying to figure it out either. You know? So it's sort of, I think, you know, you guys are right. Like the, the compassion and kindness can go a long way. And it's like, part of the reason I have to kind of Vanish a little bit from time to time on social. It's like it's just hard to see everybody yelling at each other when everybody's, you know, most people are trying to do better. So yeah. it's like, you know, there's there's something in that of of doing these practices that we all have benefited so much from. You know, we maybe we can try to instead of sell them to the world, like apply them to ourselves for a moment. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. Yeah, I think it's true. All right. Well, thank you for your time. And so nice to have a chat with you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys in the real life at some point. It seems like we're getting there, I guess. I don't know. It's close. close. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm like, I'm ready. I'm already there. (laughs) Let that woman out of the closet. (laughs) Let me out of this damn closet. My feet are in the water. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Um, All right, Tara. Well, you have a wonderful day. And um, I don't know. We'll hopefully see you soon. Yeah, sounds good. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at htwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.